It's good to be with everyone. My name is Pastor Joseph Bianca. I'm the associate pastor of this church. Um, as you can tell, I'm, I'm not Jim Partridge. Sadly, Jim couldn't make it tonight. Um, but he had me fill in for him. And he said to me to not preach more than 15 minutes. So <laughs> I'll try my best to honor that. Um, I want to welcome you, if you uh, have not been to this church before, if you're new here, uh, welcome. We're glad that you are, are with us. Uh, let me begin with a prayer, and then we'll read the word, and our response will be, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come uh, under your word, and Lord, as we think about this as a sending service, um, Lord, how vital is your word uh, for life in ministry. And so I pray, Father, as we hear this word read, that we would take it as your very word, as uh, life-giving food for us, and especially Andrew and Amy, as they are being sent out. Father, uh, work in our hearts to change us. Lord, to help us to mortify our sin, to make us more like Jesus, to make us to love you with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. We give you praise. We pray it in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, if you'd read along with me on page 7 of your bulletin, we're reading from 3 John uh, 1, verses 1 to 8. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you're walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. This is the word of the Lord. Andrew and Amy, where are you? Can you just raise your hand? Okay. I'm going to probably be addressing you, so I wanted to make sure I knew where you were. Uh, so let me jump straight into the main point of the text today, since this is uh, a shorter sermon. Uh, the main point of our text is that we are all receivers and senders of the gospel of grace. We're all receivers and senders of the gospel of grace. Today, as we send out Andrew and Amy and by proxy Jonathan and Vicki, uh, we are senders here. But at one time, we were all receivers. So we all have a role to play in the work of missions. I know the greatest uh, fear a missionary can face, and it's not uh, the strangeness of the land or the new culture or the new language, or even raising money. It's the fear of being forgotten. 
I'm going to look at the text today and address this fear with the hope of the gospel, and I'm going to look at three points. Uh, first, genuine affection and love for our missionaries. Second, sending them well. And third, supporting them well. So let's begin with genuine affection and love. Uh, so beginning here in verses 1 to 4, we have John writing to Gaius. And it's a personal letter to Gaius, encouraging Gaius in his work of supporting these brothers. These brothers are missionaries and itinerant preachers. That's who they are. And one of the encouragements that John gives to Gaius is that he is walking in the truth. He says it twice. Gaius is being faithful to his call in supporting these brothers, these missionaries. And as I thought about an analog to our church, uh, I want to commend our missions committee and uh, Jim Partridge in particular. Uh, we have a committee that's been really faithful in supporting our missionaries and connecting our missionaries to the members of the church. And I, we see a similar thing happening in the text. So from the time of the early church, here in 3 John, we see examples of missions happening. Even at this very early stage, the church is focused on missions. And missions is often thankless work. So John goes out of his way to affirm Gaius, to say, I love you. I'm thankful for you. You are doing well. I've not forgotten you. Keep going. So John is encouraged by Gaius's faithfulness. But John also expresses genuine love and affection. You know, uh, missions can be somewhat mechanical. I mean, there are actually steps that you have to do, like, like joining a missions agency, going through an assessment, raising support, moving, learning a language. But John's primary encouragement is not mechanical. Well, those things are important. It's relational. He has genuine love and affection for Gaius and the church. In eight verses, he uses the word love five times. So church family, our primary concern for our missionaries is that they know our love, our genuine love and affection. So as an example, uh, I have a genuine love and affection for the elders that I serve alongside with. The other elders I serve with are my friends, my spiritual fathers, my brothers in Christ, my church family. Uh, Jim, who put all this together tonight, is one of those elders. And one benefit, if I can say this, of his cancer diagnosis, at least in my heart, is to remind me of how much I love him. And I know that Jim has genuine affection and love for our missionaries. And I know our missions committee would not be where, where it is today were it not for his love and his affection. Not just his actions, but his love. And I know that Jim has love and affections for those who serve on our missions committee. And I know that all of us together have dear love and affection for Andrew and Amy as we send them off. And for all our missionaries. So we're not just sending Andrew and Amy with the things that they need. But the love we share together, we give to them. We send them with the love of the church. They're not gone tomorrow and then forgotten. 
but they're held deeply and firmly and present in our hearts. So if you don't know Andrew and Amy, a part of supporting missionaries is actually getting to know them. Getting to know them as real people in a personal way so that your support is not just mechanical but filled with care and affection. So one way we love them is by sending them well. And this is my second point. Verses 5 to 6, John says that these brothers are to be sent in a manner worthy of God. Now, I mentioned this uh, before, but John calls these brothers strangers. Uh, And they are strangers to John, but they're not strangers to Gaius. Uh, At one time, they were brought before the church to testify of Gaius' love for them. So Gaius knows them well, and he has genuine love and affection for them. And John loves them because Gaius loves them, though they're strangers to John. So in one sense, we ought to know our missionaries the best that we can in a real and personal way. But in another, there may be and there are probably missionaries in our church that we support that you've never met before, that you don't know, and they are equally worthy of our love and support. This is actually one of the advantages of being a church, that I can love and support someone I've never met because I trust the leaders of this church who love and support that person. In this way, we show our love uh, by our trust for each other. Honestly, this sounds very Presbyterian. (laughs) And Presbyterians tend to work through committees and trust of those committees in trust of our leaders. So again, I want to thank and I want to applaud the work of our missions committee. Through these people, we can actually support missionaries that we may not get a chance to know personally. Now, I want you to take note of verse 6. that says that we are to send them in a manner worthy of God. This puts a really high priority on sending. And I'll tell you a story, and again, I'll pick on Jim Um, Jim is really good at sending. And I used to think that that was a strange quirk of Jim's, but I've actually come to learn that it's a biblical value. Uh, Anytime someone would leave the church, if they were moving or graduating, or even if they actually had a disagreement with the church and they were moving on, uh, Jim did not just want them to float away. He wanted to send them. And it's the same purpose we read here in John You know, sending is different than saying goodbye. Saying goodbye has this sense of like, okay, you're gone, you're out of my life, I'll see you later. But sending has a sense of being behind someone as they go. Like after you leave, I'm going to be right here behind you, supporting you from afar. I'm not going to forget you. I'm going to send you financial support. I'm going to keep praying for you. I'm going to continue to check in on you and write you. We are sending you in a manner worthy of God. This is a sending service, but this service is not the end. We'll follow this by remaining in worship and prayer and support for Andrew and Amy as they go on from here. So we have affection, we have sending, and lastly, we have supporting. Let's look what John says about supporting our missionaries, and I'm in verses 7 to 8. 
I'm going to read this, uh, verse 7. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. You know, the reality is that missionaries are dependent upon our support. I listened to a sermon by uh, Mark Dever on this topic, and he made uh, this comment that if the church is going to continue to grow in its capacity to do missions and ministry, then the younger generation, which I would be in that generation, uh, the younger generation is going to really need to step up in their ability to support, and in particular, their giving. He made the comment that the younger generation has grown up with a degree of comfort that's afforded to us because of our technology, uh, but it's hampered our ability to be generous. And in general, I agree with Mark Dever. I'm on the older side of that generational gap, but if we are to continue to see the church serve, do missions, do ministry, then at the end of the day, this is all done by our giving. And the onus of this is really on the younger generation. We are the future of the church. And I'm challenging those idols of comfort that sometimes come with being the younger generation. As you take up that challenge of financial support, of being less comfortable so you can give to others, what is happening is that we're actually joining them in the work of missions. Verse 8, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. With that, I think Mark Dever's comments in the youthfulness of Andrew and Amy are uh, quite ironic. And I want to end on this. What would cause a couple, a young couple like this of the younger generation, to move to a foreign country and give up the comforts of their age? And the answer is the gospel. I want you to notice the language in verse 7, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. We are presenting the gospel free of charge. Now, yes, one concern of John may have been that he is not wanting the church to actually charge money for the presentation of the gospel. But I think the larger picture points us to a freedom from cost that is inherent to the gospel. All of us here who have come to know and believe Jesus were at one time receivers. And we didn't just come without money, we came with debt. Our sins, our failures, our mistakes, our attitudes, our shame, our guilt, and our unholiness before a perfectly holy God put us in the place of debtors. But let me ask you this. How much did you pay Jesus for him to remove that debt from you? How much did you pay him for him to go to the cross and take your sins on his own back? You and I paid nothing. It was done freely, without cost. You were loved so deeply that Jesus would pay the greatest cost of his life for yours. So not only was the cost free, but then your heavenly father adopts you. And he gives to you all the riches of his kingdom, all the rights of a child of God. 
Andrew and Amy know the love of Jesus. They know the love of the Father. They know what it is to receive a gift of eternal life and pay nothing. (laughs) So what does that do in the hearts of a young generation? It moves us to love as we have been loved. So Andrew and Amy, uh, Jonathan and Vicky by proxy, will go and present the gospel free of charge to a people who do not know Jesus. They will not charge for the gospel, but they will need our support. They need, and all our missionaries need, to be well supported. So I'll end here with a note uh, from Jim's sermon that he would have preached had he been here. So these are his words. He says, by God's grace, this church has been a sending church now for most of its 18 years. It started with a woman named Theresa Fink, who was a missionary to Hungary. And then after several years, a parade of workers, many of them sons and daughters of this congregation. We've sent short-term teams to New Haven in 2012 and Haiti in 2013 and Ethiopia in 2020. Our departed brother Bob Reed, uh, though he wasn't directly supported by a CRPC, nevertheless was a member of our church who went out for the sake of the name to a number of many different countries. God has given us the great privilege of going, sending, and supporting in his global mission. Let's pray.